Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. My name is Daniel Markin, and today I have the amazing opportunity of sitting down and talking with Steve Brown, who works for Arrow Leadership. He's been working with Arrow Leadership for over 17 years, I believe. And the conversation we have back and forth about what makes Jesus the most incredible leader that has ever existed um, is what we end up spending a lot of time talking about. So I hope you find this conversation helpful. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. My name is Daniel Markin, and today I'm joined by Steve Brown. Steve, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great and glad to be with you. Glad to be with you as well. Um, rather than me just reading out an introduction, why don't you tell our audience uh, who you are? You know, what's your deal? What are you, what are you working on these days? You know, where'd you come from? And uh, yeah, get, let us get to know you a little bit. Great. Well, I'm in, I'm in Abbotsford, British Columbia, uh, but grew up in Ontario in a place called Muskoka, which is a beautiful place with lots of lakes. And just before I went to university, so that summer, kind of I was 18, I became a Christ follower, which was a big surprise to me. Uh, didn't see it coming. Um, didn't know what it would involve, but uh, it's had me on a on an adventure and a journey ever since. And um, yeah, fast forward, um, I'm serving at a, a Christian ministry called Arrow Leadership, and uh, we develop Jesus-centered leaders in Canada, the United States, and around the world. So we help leaders to, to be led more by Jesus, to lead more like Jesus, and to lead more to Jesus. I'm married to Lee, and I've got three teenagers, so 19, 17, and 15. And um, so they keep me on my toes. And uh, yeah, I love to, love to run, and uh, that's something that I do in my spare time. Now, did you always like to run, or is this something that you're like, ah, i got to find something to stay fit, so you, you do it? Yeah, started in university, so um, I've been going at it for a while now. My knees are holding up and everything, and yeah, yeah I, I just kind of um, clears my head. Cool. And uh, I know it's like not everyone's favorite thought to run, but yeah, it clears my head. It's kind of almost worshipful, you know, mm -hmm. except when I'm going up hills, it's not so worshipful. But um, yeah, uh, I really love it. That's amazing. Steve, did you grow up in a Christian home, or did you just come to faith? Um, like, How did you come to faith? Yeah, kind of a mix of things. Um, my mom was uh, really connected to the Catholic Church, and uh, so I went to church every Sunday. I went to a Catholic school, so I heard God's stories, and really, you know, that was part of my my upbringing. I was an altar boy, if you know what that is, uh, helping the priest with stuff. Um, my parents um, split up when I was in grade six, and um, I moved with my dad, and church wasn't part of that story, and um so kind of my mom planted some seeds early on. We kind of had some friends in high school um, who belonged to a youth group and they would invite me and, and uh, I went for the games and the girls, um, but they ended up talking about God sooner or later. And I kind of put up with that. I was kind of the kid who was a skeptic and basically had, you know, questions and 
arguments and all sorts of stuff. And on my 18th birthday, actually the night of my 18th birthday, so I'm like, you know, this milestone kind of thing going on. But uh, my stepmom woke me up in the middle of the night and said my dad was having trouble breathing and there's an ambulance coming and I was going to, I needed to go out to the driveway and wait for the ambulance people to come. And it was like, that's a pretty freaky way to wake up on your 18th uh, birthday. Yeah. So my dad went to the hospital. Um, you know, we went and kind of stuff went sideways. Um, we could hear the next room where my dad was, um, uh, the defibrillators and all that stuff happening. And man, I felt uh, completely alone. And it's like 2.30 in the morning on my 18th birthday and hearing that stuff go on, it was just wow. very surreal. You know, what, what are you supposed to do? Um, so I was crying and asking God for help because I was like, I didn't really have much time for God, but I knew he knew he might be able to help in a, in a pinch or at least he's used to people asking. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my, my dad came through and he's, he's still on the planet. Um, but that was actually a really big thing for me because I was like, Hey, this, I'm feeling kind of like I'm uh, a hypocrite here. Cause ignoring God kind of one minute and then like, God, can you help me the next? And I, I know people do that and, and God rolls with it. But I was like, I want to see if what my Christian friends uh, at youth group is, are talking about is actually for real. So, so that's what I did that summer before university. And I, I couldn't kind of get away from like Jesus being real and what he did being true. And so it was either like join it or not join it, but know that it's, you're, you're, you're living a lie now, Steve. So that was my journey. Wow. And now that journey has brought you to Arrow Leadership. And with Arrow, what does your day-to-day look like? And, you know, this idea of developing leaders, is that something that you're constantly thinking about and, and excited about? Yeah, I love uh, what I get to do at Arrow. I've been here for 17 years. And what we try and do is create safe places for leaders. And a lot of leaders don't have safe places to like ask questions, to share doubts, to share struggles. So we'd really try and create some safe space for them, bring mentors along. So they're kind of working one-on-one with mentors and have uh, some really practical training and really help them grow in self-awareness so get to know themselves more so we do a bunch of assessments and stuff mm-hmm. and then also um really walk with them over time so it's not like a a great weekend uh conference or something this is like a 15-month journey where they're still a pastor somewhere they're still working for world vision or the salvation army or youth for christ but they come together in this safe community and really seek to grow together. And so I just love doing it because you get to meet people doing amazing things uh, from all over and help them to kind of keep growing and, and developing and and know that that has a ripple effect um, through what they do. Well, it does. And, and as you develop leaders, they these leaders that you're developing are developing other leaders. And so you, like, you may never actually know the, the trickle effect. Uh, have you found any specific leaders in past history that you find particularly enticing that you've like drawn from? Yeah. I mean, my, I don't know if this is, sounds like a cop out Daniel, but um, my go-to uh, is Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, there's like tons of people I'd love to grab lunch with um, and like learn from them. But Jesus is pretty much, I mean, he's head and head and shoulders above anybody else. Um, there's this, this great quote by 
John Stott, who is this English uh, pastor and writer and yeah. statesman. And, and he said, we talk about Alexander the Great or Charles the Great or Napoleon the Great, but not Jesus the Great. Jesus isn't the great, John Stott says. He's the only. He has yeah. no rival and no successor. So, I mean, I know that might sound like basic, but uh, the more I, more I think and, and kind of engage Jesus, I mean, he lived radically different and he led radically different. And he still uh, speaks powerfully into our world today. And I think we need more leaders like him. Yeah, no, and I agree. I think you see in Jesus the perfect mastery of leadership in a physical way, the way he like would be with people in, in the words he said, right. And his ability to like in the moment be really sharp with someone or actually comforting. Like there's just so many different things we can learn from Christ in leadership that I think are so, so helpful. And even to the point, like you had to be a good leader. You had to be likable, um, to, to hang out with 12 guys, to have 12 guys follow you, you know, like for every single day for three years. Like that's, you know, it takes a lot of leadership to do that, to keep them all engaged and keep them all following you. So I agree. There's definitely um, so much we can learn from the person of Christ. You think about it. um, Jesus never entered a room where he wasn't the smartest, most powerful and holiest person in that room. And yet he served like he, he got down on his knees and washed his followers' feet. And, um, you know, I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who knows of the smartest person in the room and acts like it. It's just like it's repelling, right? You don't really want to be around somebody like that. But here's Jesus who's like, he's, he's sharper than anybody. He's more powerful. He's more holy. But he actually cares about you and he, he serves, and it's, so it's a, a pretty amazing, uh, mind-boggling example. Yeah, I, I could just imagine all the times that you walk into a room and there's, there's the person who feels that's their job to educate everyone, right? And everything they say, they're, they're educating you. It's, it's everything's like, you're, you, you shut up and listen because everything I say is gold. Or, and if you don't believe that, then you, know, you have to like listen harder because clearly you don't understand that everything I'm saying is amazing. But there's a profound difference between that and then someone who has um, what they call in New Zealand, they call it mana, which is this idea that there's certain people who walk in the room and there's a certain presence, like, a, oh, I don't want to say energy, but there's a, there's a feeling that enters the room with them, that when you're with them, it's like, right? Kind of like almost like the, the, the breath of the room is taken away and everyone's fixed on them. And I just imagine that's what it was like when Jesus went into a room. Especially, could you imagine like, on a smaller extent, if, if the, you know, the queen of England walked into the room, everyone would kind of be, you know, just quiet and, and very, you know, like there's a, there's a, the air is taken out of the room. You're waiting to hear what, what she has to say and how much more so with, with God himself walking into the room, especially after maybe you've seen some of the miracles he's just done. You've just seen him speak for how many hours, you know, sermon on the Mount. And then now he's beside you just this, right. Um, Jesus has that, that mana, which is really, really cool. And at the same time, uh, you know, taking it even a step further is that he would ask people questions. So like one of the amazing things Jesus would ask people questions, not to make small talk because he, he wants to engage people. And 
when he was in crowds um, and there were lots of crowds around him all the time for good reason, because he was healing and teaching and, and people were amazed at him. He wouldn't get lost in the sea of faces. He would actually see individuals. And uh, if you remember those stories, but you know, there's this guy up in a tree who's um, kind of an outcast in society. And he's, he's um, trying to get a, a bead on Jesus. You know, there's too many people around for him to get close. And Jesus sees him and, and doesn't just see him, but wants to spend time with him. And that example, again, just blows my mind because Jesus sees you and he sees me. And he actually wants to spend time with us, even though he's like, you know, way bigger than the, the queen. And um, that's just amazing. Well, there's an intimacy and a, a desire for relationship that he wants to have. That like, he, yeah, he, he, apart from any other religion where God is to be, you know, feared and acknowledged and seen as high above, that's the amazing thing about Christianity is actually God having a humility to want to know us and interact with us. You just released a book, didn't you? Kind of similar to this, this idea of cultivating an awe of Jesus. And you contrast that to the world that we live in where we get easily distracted or um, you know, drawn away from, from Christ. And I mean, with that in mind, first tell us, I guess, a brief synopsis of the book, but then what are some of the main distractions that we're seeing right now? Yeah, the book's called Jesus Centered. And the idea behind it is, um, yeah, there are so many things that distract us. Somebody told me the other day that we, we have like 50 to 60,000 thoughts a day. So like there's a lot pinging around in our, in our minds, right? And then you, I read somewhere else that we see between five and 10,000 advertisements a day. I don't know how many times I lift up my phone and take a peek at it in a day. I'm kind of scared to know. I think there's an app for that, but I mean, there's like nonstop barrage of like cool things, uh, crazy things, distraction things, cat videos, whatever. And there's lots of distractions. The Bible talks about keeping your eyes focused on Jesus. And for some of us, maybe if you've had a long journey with faith and Jesus, you kind of, you can kind of get familiar with him and kind of almost dismiss him or discount him. Like I know about that, but we're called to, uh, to fix our eyes on Jesus. And I was just reading through um, Paul's letters in the New Testament. And, and one of my favorites is Philippians. And Paul gets uh, where we're at even today in the midst of COVID because he's socially distanced when he's writing this letter. Uh, he's in jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he doesn't have his people around him. He can't like, you know, go where he wants to go. His world has been disrupted because he's like a church planter, a kind of traveling speaker. And he's not doing that. It's been disrupted because he's in jail. And he he gets us. And the crazy thing about Philippians is... um. I think it's like 16 times or something. It says the word joy or rejoice in it. So Paul's like in jail, social distanced off his kind of calling and passion and everything, but he's filled with joy. And um, you go, what's going on here? How does this work? What's, what's different about this guy? And really when you read Philippians, he's jazzed about Jesus. He's like um, all the way through is, is, you know, it doesn't matter what's going on around him because he, it says, wants to know Christ. And um, that's the difference maker in his life. And that's really the heart of the book is that Jesus 
can be the difference maker in your life. Uh, if you're led more by them, because all of us are followers first. And how do I nurture a relationship with them? If you lead more like him or you live more like him, and then leading more to him, that we're, that we're part of God's mission in the world and we're pointing people to Jesus. So that's really the heart of the book. Yeah. Even with the idea of, of Lent and Easter in the Christian tradition, right? You give up something, and every time you reach for that something, you're reminded, um, like you, you say, oh, I've, I'm abstaining for that from that, I'm saying no to that so I can say yes to Christ. It's a reminder that in the same way he um, denied himself, that I will deny myself. So for me, in the past, I did chocolate, right? Like every time I wanted to eat some chocolate, see chocolate, again, I'm reminded of Christ. And so there's, I guess, unique um, ways that we can recenter ourselves uh, on Christ. And uh, I don't know, do you find any of those, do you have any practices that you found useful over the years? Yeah, I love, um, you know, that idea of abiding. And uh, it's not like God says to us, you know, here's Jesus and he's like perfect and holy and, and he's like so far ahead of you. And then there's you and there's this gigantic gap. So it's not like God says there's a gigantic gap now do your best to try and close the gap, um, which obviously the gap is too big for us to close on our own. And we don't have enough, you know, perseverance or determination to close that gap. Yeah. So that's, that's where kind of this idea of abiding comes because it's God's power in us and with us to transform us from the inside out. And um, that's one of the freeing things I think about the Christian faith, because it's not just me bearing down with all my, you know, perseverance and determination. It's God working from the inside out. So uh, for me, some of that abiding, some of that just nurturing relationship has been um, just trying to enjoy Jesus. And that can happen through like some basic practices. Like when I run, for instance, that's I'm, I'm enjoying uh, Jesus while I do that. Um, I listen to some podcasts or some apps. One of them I, I like right now is uh, Lectio 365. And it's this daily 10-minute kind of deal. And uh, there's some prayer. There's some some of God's word, some, some reflection. And it's 10 minutes. You can listen to it. You can just read it. So it doesn't have to be like, you know, hours and hours of stuff. But yeah, I think about uh, John's, um, in John's gospel, chapter one, there's these two guys who catch sight of Jesus and they get all excited because this is Jesus, right? And Jesus looks at them and says, what do you want? And these guys, like this is like winning the lottery potentially for these guys, right? Like Jesus, who's the way, the truth, and the life, who's like God in flesh, is asking them, what do you guys want? And I think initially they bungle it up, they blow it, they say, where do you live? Which is like, I don't know if they're just tongue-tied or what, and then Jesus says, come and see. And it says that they spent the day with Jesus. And when I read that, I was like, maybe these two guys aren't stupid because they got to spend a day with Jesus. And what would that have been like? What would you talk about if you had a day with Jesus? And what would he want to say to you? I, I kind of processed a little bit on my own and uh, just what that would be like, kind of imagining, I guess, what that would be like. And one of the things I sense Jesus saying to me was, 
Steve, enjoy me. And uh, all going through my head was like, we should be doing stuff, like getting more stuff done. Jesus, there's a world that's, you know, broken and all that. We need to get at it. But Jesus, in, in my like kind of reflection was like, Steve, enjoy me and enjoy like you can actually spend your day with me today and tomorrow and the next day. Don't get so distracted by all this other stuff that I end up on the sidelines. And it's, it's crazy because it's, it's like uh, scripture says that we're to, if you lose your life, Jesus says, if you lose your life uh, for me, you'll actually gain it. And uh, I mean, it doesn't make sense, right? But it's basically that um, surrendering and then that allows you to receive. And for many years, I guess I tried to um, just, I think I tried to impress God and other people and, you know, uh, serve hard, work hard. Even the, the great commandment, love the Lord your God, is like a, a do it kind of command, right? You can exhaust yourself if there's no living water, no kind of refill happening, right? And which is like not abiding. And I discovered, man, I was, uh, how could you impress God? Um, for starters, that was like, you know, I want to do great things for God. And then I was like, I think that's like got a theological kind of problem with it because doing something for God, like the creator, the king of the universe, the sustainer of life and all that, like uh, seriously, you're going to try and impress him and do stuff that he can't do. That's exhausting even thinking about trying to pull that off. But that was my life. And then I kind of recognized that, you know, the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all, with wholeheartedly, with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. It's predicated, it's rooted in first accepting that you're loved by God. And that was mind blowing for me because I like doing stuff, making stuff happen, kind of trying to be successful and stuff. But this was like, you know, Jesus heard the words from the father um, at his baptism. This is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. He heard that before he'd done really any ministry stuff. And I think that was pretty intentional that it came in that order. Like, period, I love you. Um, You're valuable to me. You're significant to me um, before Jesus did anything. And I think we need to hear that ourselves, too. And to abide so that that keeps kind of coming into us so that we can pour out into other people and other things. Yeah, absolutely. And as we pour out and we feel empty, again, abiding to be filled back up. And there's, there's a deep humility, I think, with that. Because, again, the upside down is the way to get further is actually to get low. And, and that's, the, that's the, the bizarre thing about Christianity. Is so, so many times it's just backwards. Right. If you want to, if you want to be like, uh, you have a sign that our listeners can't see it, but there's a sign behind you that says, you know, confident to be more confident. Actually, the secret is not to just work yourself to becoming more confident. It's actually to humble yourself, acknowledge that your identity is now in Christ. And that actually breeds true confidence, right? Like it, everything is just, it's so backwards, but you, that you, if you to win, you have to say, I can't win on my own. It's the most humbling thing. And um, yeah, you just see that in Jesus' ministry. You see that in, in all things. And I'm just sure that in all the work you're doing with Aero Leadership, it's it's humility. It's again, returning back to Christ, which is uh, it's what makes him one of the best leaders, 
the best leaders are also are also humble. It's crazy, you know. If you and I were um, tagged with putting on the the debut of the next Marvel movie, I mean, wouldn't that be so cool? You know, we'd be finding strobe lights, we'd be going to Hollywood, we'd be red carpets, limousines, important people. I mean, this is a Marvel movie after all, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Light it up. And, um, you know, the God of the universe sends his son to earth, comes comes in the flesh to earth, and uh, there are no strobe lights. There is a, a pretty humble scene happening here, which is just crazy. He He comes in flesh, like baby-sized, in the care of not like the best kind of pedigree people in the world, but uh, some teenagers who um, belong to an oppressed people in the middle of like Nowheresville. And, you know, his entourage, Jesus' entourage, um, is not like the most powerful people in the planet. These are not the privileged and powerful people. They're shepherds and and kind of everyday people and often marginalized people. His ride is in a limousine, but it's like a donkey or his feet. He doesn't have like a palace. Uh, he's, he's kind of doesn't even have a home. And I mean, just the humility just racks up when you think of Jesus. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's a great example for us because um, humility is also pretty winsome and uh, does draw people to you. And um, a lot of people have been drawn to Jesus through his humility. Definitely. Well, Steve, we could keep going on and on and on about this. Uh, unfortunately, we are coming to the end here of our time. Um, anything else that you'd just want to quickly, Brucey, share with our audience, you know, about leadership, about humility, anything that just, you know, you have, you have the last word. Okay. Well, I would just encourage you, whether you've grown up in Sunday school, kind of there's been a felt board and you've heard all the Jesus stories or um, whether this is like something you're trying to figure out. Yeah. I would just encourage you to really reflect and learn about Jesus. And that might be, might mean unlearning some things, maybe that kind of are distortions or things that maybe you need to let go of because um, yeah, fix your eyes on Jesus. And if, if you need hope uh, today, if you need help today, there's no better, no better person to go to than Jesus. Cause I know life is um, challenging all the time, particularly in these crazy days, but Jesus says, I'll be with you to the very end of the age. So yeah. Amazing. Well, Steve, thank you for being here. Thanks for being on the program. And we look forward to being able to speak with you again. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thanks again, Steve, for your time and for sitting down and chatting with us. If you want more information on some of the work Steve does with Arrow Leadership, you can find all of that at aeroleadership.org, so .org. And as well, his book will be available on that website as well as Amazon. So if you want to pick that up and, uh, and, and learn from him through his insights, we want to encourage you to do that as well. Make sure to join us next week for another episode of Endow. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hey, this is Isaac, one of the hosts of In Doubt, a ministry of Good News Global Media. Is it possible that being a Christian young person could be any more complicated than it is today? 
How do we make right choices and decisions when so many opinions around us seem contrary to what it means to live for Christ? At InDoubt, we hope to help make sense, biblical sense, of those difficult choices, decisions, and the complexity of faith, life, and culture in 2021. So join us every week for another challenging conversation and our response as God's people. For everything in doubt, visit indoubt.com. And if you'd like to help us continue to offer this program, you can make a gift of any amount at indoubt.com or by calling 1-844-663-2424.